Park View on the Go. I'm Nathan, one of the pastors around here, and I am so glad you're joining us today. I believe that no matter how long we've been following Jesus, whether it's been decades or we're exploring faith for the very first time, there's always a forward step for us to take. One potential next step is for those of you who've been checking out Parkview for a little while and you've been asking questions like, what is this place? Where do they come from? Why are they so different? How do I get more involved in what God is doing through this church? Basically, if you want to know more about us and how to take your next step around here, you're going to want to check out a closer look at Parkview. You'll get to hear our lead pastor, Tim Harlow, and executive pastor, Bill Brown, talk about our church and the amazing journey God is taking us on. Just head over to parkviewchurch.com slash closer look to find out more. That's parkviewchurch.com slash closer look. Thanks again for spending time with us. I'll be back at the end of our time together to close us out. Enjoy the service. Should happens. Moving from a should life to a good life. Ha! Well, hello, Parkview, and welcome to the weekend. Uh, it's so great to be with you online. And I'm also super excited for us to gather back on site uh, every weekend starting next weekend. And we're gonna have the kids' ministry and all of that stuff coming back. It's gonna be fantastic. And if you've been around for the last few weeks, you know that uh, Pastor Tim has just wrapped up the Separation of Church and Hate series. And it was powerful. There's no doubt that Tim spoke some things into our lives and our families that we really needed to put in there. And next week, we get to start a brand new series called 23, The Greatest of All Time. And so I can't wait to be a part of that as well. But today, today is a one weekend only, standalone message. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my best to pull back the curtain on my life. And I'm just going to share with you what I'm currently wrestling with. And I have a very precise message that I will boil down to one single sentence by the end of our study today. But before we get to that, before we get to that, Parkview, can I tell you something? And I need to ask your honest opinion about something. And, and, and here's the deal. You can't tell anyone what I'm getting ready to share with you, okay? Because I don't want everybody to know because I'm like still thinking this through, okay? Here's the deal. I'm pretty sure that the next time you see me, like in the end of October, beginning of November, there's going to be something very different about me. And, and I've thought this through a, a lot. I'm going, are you ready for it? I'm going to be getting a new tattoo on my arm. And I know that PT has the tattoo, you know, that talks about heaven comes to earth and earth to heaven and all those things. And, and I'm actually trying to decide exactly what to do and whether I go, you know, like the full sleeve all the way down or if I just do like the half sleeve or, or that sort of thing, or should it be color or should it be black and white? And, and, and so here's what I wanna do. I just wanna ask you, what should I do? What should I do, Parkview? And, and actually, should I even do it? Should I do it? I know some of you right now are thinking, ah, uh, yeah, you should definitely do it, Todd. And others of you, like right now, in your homes, looking at your TV or your computer, you're standing up, looking at the screen, saying, no, no, Todd, don't do it. You shouldn't do it. And this brings us to what I want us to revisit today. It's 
the shoulds. You see, I have people every single day telling me confidently and persuasively what I should and should not do. And I bet you do too, right? It's been right at one year that I introduced the language of the shoulds into our minds. And so I have entitled this weekend's message, Should Happened. Should Happened. Because over the course of the past year, I have had hundreds of conversations with people who battle the shoulds. Here's some from just the last few weeks and months. I should look for a new job. I should get married, but we can't have a real ceremony because of all the COVID stuff, so why even get married? I should have more energy. I should save more money. I shouldn't be so down. I shouldn't be so depressed. I shouldn't be so stressed. Or I should get baptized. Uh, but we aren't meeting at church anymore. So how would I even do that? That's what Renee and I had some friends just a few weeks ago who had been talking to us. We want to get baptized. We want to get baptized. We want to get baptized. But we're not meeting at church, so what do we do? And finally, they had texted that enough and heard it enough that I said, let's do it. Just come over to our house, bring your swimsuits, and let's get in the hot tub, and we'll baptize you. So take a look at this picture. We, we just, we baptized three of our friends just in our hot tub. It was awesome. And because they knew that's something they should do, you know, and all of our neighbors are looking in saying, what's going on? I think they're baptizing people. They're in a hot tub. Is that okay? Is that legal? Does that count? Right? I hope it does because that's what we did. Anyway, they knew they should do that. And the shoulds are something that most of us battle each and every day of our lives. And remember from last year in our series, the shoulds are the unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves, on others, and on God. And I need to come clean today and just tell you that over the course of the past year, especially in the last six months, I have battled just a, a, a boatload of shoulds. More than just, you know, should I get that tattoo? I mean, big shoulds. I mean, like mega shoulds. Do you ever battle mega shoulds? These are mega shoulds that affect my life and my family and my finances. And I know this might sound extreme, what I'm getting ready to say to you, and it may even sound undoable to some of you, but here's what I've been doing. Since mid-March, so for like five or six months, I've been getting up at 5 a.m. each morning to get some quiet time with God and to kind of just try to get to the root of my shoulds. Now, let me say a couple things about that. Maybe you've heard pastors through the years talk about how we all need to carve out, you know, quiet time with God. And, and you just heard me say that I have quiet time each morning. And I want you to know that my quiet time is rarely quiet. I'm often either talking pretty loud to God or arguing with God or listening to some loud music in my AirPods. My quiet time isn't very quiet. And if you have put off spending time with God because you have always believed or you have always just been taught that your time with God needs to be all quiet and, and tranquil and somber, then guess what? You need to like get rowdy with God. Just get some time with him. And the other thing I want us to realize and know is that it doesn't have to be at 5 a.m. Do you think I like getting up at five o'clock in the morning? No. But I have learned that if I don't get with God early, I won't get with him at all. You see, my day 
probably like yours, gets so busy and, and frantic and, and just too full. And I am very serious about moving from a should life to a good life. And here's what I've discovered. My life quickly goes off the rails when I try and model my life after anyone but Jesus. Can I say that to you again? My life quickly goes off the rails when I try and model it after anyone but Jesus. When I compare what I know about my life to what I don't know about your life, I always come up short. When I start comparing my regular day against somebody else's highlight reel on Facebook or Instagram, guess what? I come up short. So here's what I've been doing over the course of the last few months. Very early, each morning, I've been getting up and I've just been re-reading the Gospels. The Gospels in the Bible are the first four books in the New Testament. And I have specifically been interested in studying the rhythms of Jesus' life when it comes to prayer and when it comes to rest and how that impacts relationships. And this actually goes so in hand with what Pastor Tim talked about last weekend because he was talking about how oftentimes we put people in boxes, right? Remember all the boxes. And when we put people in boxes, our relational lives get all messed up. So here's what I want us to do. For just the next few minutes, I wanna guide you through just a small section of Jesus' life that I think we can learn a lot from. So Jesus begins his ministry by being led into the desert and tempted, right, for like 40 days. And when this temptation is over and this testing season is over, he begins to move back towards people and relationships. And it says at the very end of Luke chapter four, verse 42, here's what it says. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. As Jesus was moving back towards people, back into public life, actually getting ready to call his first disciples, he models this time of rest and this time of prayer. And as I read the Gospels over and over and over, I cannot help but realize that prayer and rest, they are what seem to get Jesus ready and prepared for the intensity and the complexity of his relationships. Because as soon as he's basically called his disciples to follow him and spent some time with them there in the book of Luke, he again moves back to rest. I have found rest to be a reoccurring rhythm in Jesus' life. It's prayer and then rest and then relationships. It's prayer and then rest and then relationships. Prayer and then rest and then relationships. Jesus' powerful relationships come out of the overflow, it seems, of prayer and rest. Again, in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Everybody say often, right where you're at. Just say the word often. Often. I believe the key word is that word often. Notice that it doesn't say that Jesus occasionally withdrew. It doesn't say that when it was really obvious that he needed it, he withdrew. No, it just says that he often withdrew or got away to rest and to pray. It happens again in Luke chapter six, verse 12. It says, in one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent all night praying to God. 
He spends that whole evening in rest and prayer after he's just been with people. On another occasion, Jesus had been with people all day in Luke chapter eight, and they're trying to get away from a bunch of people, so they get in a boat, and Jesus is really tired. Look at this in Luke chapter eight, verse 23. As they sailed across the lake, that is, Jesus settled down for a nap. He's all just been around people. He's been pouring himself out, and he says, I gotta have some rest. I gotta have some nap. Jesus was regularly resting and praying to get fueled up and to get prepared for relationships. After Jesus grabs that little nap in the boat, they get to the other side, and immediately, he's surrounded by people again and relationships, and he starts healing people, and this is when he feeds the 5,000 people. And, And Jesus, as he interacted with people, what's so amazing to me, is that he's not just full of stress, right? He wasn't short with them. He wasn't judging them. He wasn't like PT said last weekend, trying to put them all in boxes. Jesus was actually able to excel in his relationships. And I think that's because he had that time in prayer and rest along with his relationships. In fact, take a look at this other verse in Mark chapter six. This is so fantastic. Chapter six, verse 31. And then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. You ever been there? You ever been in that place where like, I don't even know. I I have no downtime, Todd. You don't understand. There's people everywhere. There's people all around. I haven't even had a chance to eat. Todd, I haven't even eaten. I haven't eaten anything all day. That's like where they're at. That's where Jesus and his friends are at. They haven't had anything to eat And here's what Jesus says. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Get some rest. Now here's why I bring all of this up this weekend. It's because honestly, I, uh, I don't think I rest very well. And I think it's adversely impacting my relationships. And I know I don't rest very well because of this. I'm wearing it right here. Can, can you see this? It's my Apple Watch. This watch, it like, it like monitors my life. It knows my heart rate. It knows when I'm working out. It, it knows when I go by a Starbucks. If I'm near a Starbucks, it tells me that I need to go get my you know, uh, double uh, skinny tall latte. It, 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 it knows that. It knows when I need to breathe. Sometimes it says, Todd, breathe. It doesn't say Todd, but it says breathe. I need to just slow down and breathe. When I wear it at night, it actually monitors my rest at night. This thing even has an app inside the sleep app that is called Sleep Talk. And if I start talking in my sleep, it records it. Is that pretty cool? It's crazy. And here's what I've been realizing through all of this in just the last six or 12 months. And I should have known this a long time ago. There we go with the shoulds, right? I should have known this. Here it is. When I am not prayed up and rested up, my relationships get messed up. When I'm not prayed up, when I'm not rested up, my relationships get messed up. And I end up giving those that I love the most my worst. A few months ago, I had a friend send me a text. And he said, hey, Todd, do you have time to do a Zoom 
because we're not really getting together, you know, closely right now. Do you have time to Zoom? And I don't know if you all Zoom. I, I, I think I Zoom. I'm like, I'm always Zooming. I basically Zoom. I, I Zoom a lot. I'm Zooming most all day is what I'm doing, right? So here's what happens. We get on this Zoom call. We get on this Zoom video call. And here's what he said to me. He said, Todd, over the last five months, I have said some things to my wife and my kids that I would not say to my worst enemy. And he went on to tell me about some of the things that he had said out loud to his kids when they interrupted him in his home office while he was working. And he told me just a couple of the things that he had said out loud to his wife. And by the time we were done talking, we had concluded that he really didn't need a new job with less stress and he didn't need more money and he didn't even need better behaved kids, you know, right? I mean, like that's all, I mean, we could always use that, but he didn't need that, right? What we concluded was that his mind was always on. He had virtually no downtime built into his day, nor was he getting enough rest at night. And when he lost this rhythm of rest and replenishment, he no longer had the energy and the perspective to focus on others. He was only worried and thinking about himself. And when he did that, his relationships suffered. Now listen, Listen, Parkview, as I read through the Gospels over and over and over, I'm convinced that the regular rhythm of prayer and rest is what allowed Jesus to have the perspective and the energy and the desire to consider others better than himself. In fact, if I could condense today's whole teaching into one single sentence, it would be this. Good rest gets us ready for relationships, and good relationships make us crave more rest. Isn't that true? I mean, the more I'm around people, the more rest I need. I don't know about you. There's some people who just wear me out. I'm sure there's people who wear you out. And I like to be around people, but when I'm around them, I need more rest. And then when I'm more rested, I am more ready to be around people again, right? It's crazy how that works. So back to the shoulds. I know I should be more like Jesus. You probably know you should be more like Jesus. And here's what I've discovered in my life. I am modeling Jesus most purposefully when prayer and rest surround my relationships. Can I say that again? I am modeling Jesus most purposefully when prayer and rest surround my relationships. I love how Jesus understands and models this rhythm of rest and prayer and relationships. And I love Jesus' invitation to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Here's what Jesus says. Are you tired? Are you wore out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me and get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take what? A real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms, the rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Maybe today, maybe today, Parkview, you're sitting on your couch 
or maybe you're in your car and your heart is like beating out of your chest because you have felt like God is talking like directly to you today because you said some stuff to your family, some out of bounds stuff, some things that aren't okay. You've said these things to the people you love most in your entire life. Or you really didn't mean to say what you said, but you were tired. You weren't prayed up. And that's when our relationships get messed up and we just say things. Or maybe you were just, you know, finding yourself easily annoyed by people in the last week or two. And you know you should love these people and serve these people, but you just, it's like, ah, I just can't because these people are dumb, you know, right? They're just being so dumb. I can't, I don't have the energy to do that. Or maybe you're just tired of always listening to others and you just need someone to listen to you. Today, you can come to Jesus and he will listen to you. He has time for you. He has a rhythm of life to share with you that is full of grace. And if you know you need to talk and pray with someone about your life and the rhythm of your life, if you're watching online right now, you can just leave a comment in that comment section that I need to talk with someone, I need to pray with someone. If you know you need more of Jesus in your life, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you know you should be baptized into him like those friends of ours, you can just text, I said yes, to 708-295-3729 right there on the screen. And somebody will contact you and help you learn to walk and understand the rhythms that Jesus brings to our life, the rest, the prayer surrounding our relationships. Well, let's pray together today. God, thank you. Thank you for the fact that you invite us into a rhythm. It's just not all one speed all the time. God, thank you for Jesus who models this for us that as he got into relationships with people, some that were easy and some that were really difficult, he always surrounded those relationships with some downtime and some prayer so that he could be at his best. God, forgive us for the times, forgive me for the times when I try and model my life after all kinds of other people except Jesus. God, help me, help us to model our lives after Jesus and pick up his rhythm of grace in our lives. We love you, God. We thank you for Jesus. May we look more like him this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. That is such a good reminder of how important it is to model our lives after Jesus and no one else. If you're ready to follow Jesus and like Todd said, to get rid of those shoulds once and for all, this is your reminder to text I said yes to 708 295 3729. Our staff would love to have a conversation with you and help you figure out what that decision means for your life because there is quite honestly no greater decision you could ever make than to model your life after Jesus. Another way we like to respond to and remember what Jesus means to us is to take communion. Uh, Pastor Todd has put together a short communion service that you can find on our Parkview Online Facebook group on Sunday afternoon, 
or you can find it at parkviewchurch.com slash communion. I hope you'll take advantage of that. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.